Great question. The Manufacturing Podcast offers news and information for the people who make, store, and move things, and those who manage and maintain the facilities where that work gets done. Hey everyone, it's time again for Ask a Plant Manager. It's Saturday morning, and thanks for listening to Great Question, a manufacturing podcast. I'm Anna Townsend, Managing Editor of Plant Services, and with me, as always, for this series is Joe Kuhn. He's a retired plant manager, turned industry consultant, author, YouTube influencer, and plant services columnist. In this quick-hitting series, Joe considers a commonplace scenario facing factories and plant pours every day. You'll get his advice, but most importantly, he'll focus on small actions you can take right away. So grab a cup of your favorite caffeinated beverage, and by the time you're done, you'll have some new ideas, tips, tricks, or advice from Joe. Today we're talking about PMs. I'm sure our regular listeners know what that very important acronym means, but I want to clarify for anybody out there that's new to manufacturing or reliability and maintenance, and we're so glad you joined us. You came to the right place to learn. So today we're talking about planned maintenance. You may be focusing on one specific PM for one specific machine or process, and the collective list of your planned maintenance we call PMs. Most plants want to move away from reactive maintenance to PMs or planned maintenance, and today we're going to talk about how to get there. Hi, Joe. It's great to have you, as always, on the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Glad to be back and to tackle another challenging question. You bet. So last time we we talked about reliability ownership at manufacturing plants and, and why that distinction is important. If you missed that episode, be sure to go back and check it out. Joe, you have some very strong opinions on that topic. That's all I'll say. But I bring it up because we're talking what we're talking about today, I think, is somewhat related. So last month, the topic was very big picture. Um, and if you don't know who owns reliability, be sure to listen to that, that last podcast. But Today, we're going to take that topic and sort of drill down to the nitty gritty of actually starting that reliability program at your facility. So plants that often want to start a reliability program are too swamped with emergency work and those reliability initiatives kind of get pushed down the line. So how do plants keep production running, perform unplanned maintenance work that's needed, and still find time for PMs? You know, on top of that, how do we find time for PM optimization and where do they start? Yeah, excellent uh, question. And one of the things that I discovered since I retired, you know, my uh, 32-year career with Alcoa was how common this problem is. It's uh, 100% reactive maintenance. We have no idea where to start. We can't even keep up with our production. How are we going to do PMs? It is extremely common. I would say 85, 90% of the uh, clients I've worked with have this situation. So, take comfort that you're not alone. But this is solvable, okay? This is solvable, and I've had to do it a couple times myself with my team uh, over my years uh, as a practitioner, and then as a consultant, I've helped uh, several plants as well. The thing, there's a couple truths that you have to believe going into this, Uh, you know, um, and one of them is not Tomorrow is going to be better if we, you know, when things calm down, when we get caught up on our emergency work, things are going to get better and we'll start doing PMs. Things are going to be worse next week, worse next month if you don't start doing some PMs. So that brings me to truth number one is the only way to break this cycle 
is to start doing planned work. That's the only way I have found. Now, somebody may have another one, but I've only found that you have to execute planned work. That can be an outage, that could be a PM, that could be problem solving, but it's actual work that you plan to do. The second thing is significant waste exists in your plan. And if you're 100% reactive, I promise you, you have overwhelming waste in your plan. Okay. Truth number three. The only way to know the waste in your plant is to go out and do something called chalk circle observation. Okay, that's to, you know, that was derived from Teochi Ono out of the Toyota production system. In simple words, this is go and see, go out and observe. Okay, that's the only way to know the waste in your plant. And I'm talking observations of four hours, eight hours, 24 hours by your leadership team sitting around in a conference room with your KPIs and opinion will not reveal what current state is and the real waste that's in your plant. It will not reveal that, okay? But observation will reveal simple, free actions that you can take in days, if not, you know, hours, definitely within a few weeks, under 30 days, you know, huge list of things you can do in under 30 days most of the time that are absolutely free. So those are the truths that I have found and, and I've documented before in, in some of my writing. What's interesting to me is this question around where do we start? We're 100% reactive maintenance, where do we start? That only get at, gets asked by people that have not done observation, okay? Once you do observation, so say for example, you and your lead team or Maybe you're maybe you're an engineer, maybe you're a planner, supervisor. If you go out and observe your crew, a, a crew of two mechanics for one full day and then a second full day, you will have a laundry list of things you can do simple that can improve the efficiency of those two people. OK, so. After you've done, done some observation. And you you may say, OK, OK, here's what we can do. Our, I have 15 mechanics at my plant. And let's just say for an example, I have nine on day shift, three on afternoons and three on midnight, 15 people. We look at the, you know, you've done some observations, say, man, there's a lot of sitting around time, a lot of wasted time for these people. Uh, what if we pulled one of the day shift people? And I've done this a dozen times, well, God, two dozen times. You take one of those uh, nine people and you say, we're just going to pluck them out, just like they were on vacation, just like if they went out on medical. You're going to pluck them out of the organization, and that person is going to do planned work. The full time, and you cannot pull them off planned work without the lead team approving it. So just they're off the table. What do they work on? Well, historically, what are the problem areas in your plant? So maybe you get the 15 mechanics together, a couple supervisors, a couple planners, and you say, what are our what are our recurring problems? And it may be every year it's lubrication. Every year we have our number one root cause of uh, uh, our pump failures, our motor failures, our gearbox failures. All the, it's we just don't do a good job of lubrication. OK, now this person we plucked out, let's say her name's Anna. And we say, Anna, we want you to spend eight hours a day, five days a week doing lubrication routes. That's all you're going to do. 
all you're going to do uh, is, is find opportunities, whether planned or say there's an unplanned downtime where production is going to be down for four hours to change out, you know, make a product change. Jump in there, Anna, and do these lubrications. So we're going to try to go from zero percent compliance on our lubrication PMs. Maybe we'll get to thirty percent this month. Okay, so that's an example of something you can do for free. You pull them out of the organization, and then that that thirty percent of PMs. Guess what? You have less unplanned downtime next month. The month after that. The month after that. So what you do is then you pull a second person out. And you pull a third person before you know it you're getting a lot of your pms done this starting small and it is so powerful just one person doing lubrication or or uh maybe it's uh, we're going to start laser aligning all of our shafts we we never do that we put a straight edge on there we're going to start laser lining our shafts could be simple things like that what are the common problems in your plant that you found through input of people, experience of people, through observation, and you're starting to dedicate people to planned work. Remember that dedicating people to planned work is truth number one. That's the only way out of your situation. Hope is not a plan. <laughs> You've got to start doing some planned work. Uh, let's see, you can do uh, overtime. You know, say your your plant's down every weekend. You can, you can do overtime for a month. That costs money, but that may be just the uh, primer you need to get, hey, we got 50 PMs done this month on overtime. Now we're gonna have less unplanned downtime next month. And it's really that quick. A lot of your failures won't be that quick, but some of them, some of them will. Uh, let's see, you could reduce, I don't like doing this, but I know a plant, one plant did this. It said, we're gonna, we're gonna say your production demand is 50 million pounds. We're going to dial that back to 45 million to get, you know, we're going to we're just going to force it in. And we're going to say we don't have the capacity because we got to get ahead of this. And because I believe three months, six months, nine months from now, we can have a capacity of 55 million if we get our reliability up. So sometimes people just bite the bullet and say, we're going to do this uh, work. Another thing that I did is uh, um, in a plant. They were a uh, manufacturer of like tents, doing a lot of sewing, uh, big operation. But they had, uh, I think, eight or, eight or nine mechanics that were responsible for the different machines. Well, they had idle, they were 100% reactive, but they had some idle time doing, during their day. And there was disagreement on how to do PMs on different pieces of equipment, different theories on these sewing machines versus these radio frequency welders versus these cutting machines. It was just a lot of ideas going around, but there was no system to improve. Well, one of the things I did is I worked with their leadership team and we got these eight mechanics and we gave them all specific pieces of equipment that they owned. You own sewing machines, you own radio frequency welders, you own the cutters, and then your responsibility is to write the PMs. We, we didn't even have PMs. <laughs> we were 100% reactive. We didn't even have any PMs to do. So they started writing the PMs and they were responsible for executing the PMs. And we tracked that in KPIs and they loved it. They loved the responsibility. Also, I, I should have started with this observation. I spent a day, no, probably two days with each one of these mechanics, two days with each one. 
half the failures, I mentioned this earlier, it was 50% of the failures were operator caused. Okay, so the operators had, there was high turnover. The operators weren't trying to destroy the equipment. They just didn't know any better. So we involved the mechanics, say the guy that was, um, uh, or lady that had the uh, uh, sewing machines was part of the training package for new people coming on. So when you, they got two hours worth of reliability training specifically on this equipment, when to call the mechanic, when to make an adjustment, when to stop using the machine and, and that plant, uh, their down, their unplanned downtime is, was last time I talked to them was down uh, 78% in a year. In a year, so equipment owners is something you could do, but it all starts with observation. Uh, you start with observation, knowing that you got waste. Those observation is going to lead you to some simple actions you can take. Maybe it's pulling one person off. Maybe it's uh, training operators, having your mechanics train the operators. Maybe it's assigning asset. Uh, owners like your mechanics give them responsibility for the equipment so now they got a they've got the authority to design pms for the rest of the team they were given authority in a system um so that, that's what i wanted to cover you got to start and you start with the, the four truths i mentioned the four truths again were you, you got you're only going to get there by doing planned work okay so <laughs> it it Hoping for anything else doesn't work. My experience, 100%, you got to do some more planned work. You got waste in your plant is truth number two. Truth number three is the only way to know the waste intimately in your plant is to go out and do observation of several hours. And I've done observation as long as three weeks. Okay, and I'm not suggesting that. Most of these can be done in four, eight, or 16 hours. And then uh, truth number four is once you know the waste implement uh the waste that's in your plant through observation the actions get easy there it's not what do i do it's i know the these are the next 10 steps that will happen that's my promise to you great couple interesting points you made that i want to reiterate where you do not start a reliability program is in meetings with kpis and your opinions and hope is not a plan um, I think that's a good point to make. And it said you gave people a really great plan today and some really simple, small ideas on where to start and how to start tomorrow. One one thing, uh, Anna, that I will add is that, you know, you're saying, gosh, Joe, you're talking about a, a reliability. We want to start a reliability journey and you're talking about waste. Every single best practice whether it's planning and scheduling, whether it's PDM, PM, problem solving, you name it. Every single best practice in reliability and maintenance is targeting waste. So it's how big of a leap of a faith of faith is it to say, if we're targeting waste with every tool, we need to know what waste we have in our plant first. This is how you get dramatic results fast. A lot of people just start implementing tools. They start implementing best practices, whether they're attacking a waste in their plant or not. Prioritize the waste in your plant, apply the tool to it, get results very fast. And it all starts with that observation. Yeah. We've heard that before. Now, Anna, you did ask about optimization. You want me to cover that right now? Yeah, so go for PM it. PM optimization. I have, uh, you know, you you come to expect radical ideas from me, and these aren't just ideas. These are ones that I've been using for decades, and um, this is one 
that really I, I fought a lot of culture on this one. And I, I've had presidents of the company calling me, telling me I was wrong. This is like in around the year 2000 on those PM optimization. You sit down, you say, OK, well, how do you do a PM optimization? Well, we're going to look at this pump and we're going to just get a team of engineers and maintenance people together on this one pump that we got. And we're going to look at failure mode and we're going to look at, you know, do uh, what PMs we want to do, what uh, what uh, predictive maintenance we want to do, what design changes. And we're going to write this procedure up and it's going to take us four days for that one pump. OK. I've got a thousand assets. <laughs> That's a journey I don't want to go on uh, because I'm expected to make improvements this month, this quarter. And you just gave me a four hour, four year plan, five year plan, uh, working full time to just start. Okay. That, that's not going to work. Well, I, in my uh, experience, I broke. PM's optimization into phases. And you can use three phases, four phases. Typically, I've used three, but phase one. And uh, I, I, I apologize for this title, but it's really impactful for people. Phase one is eliminate stupid. Okay. So that means spend one minute on your PM, each PM, one minute, and look for the really dumb things that you have going on in it. For example, it says this is a four-hour PM, and and you look at it and you say four-hour PM. Th there's this. There's no way this would take over an hour, but they put in four hours just in case there's corrective work. No, nope, that's not what a PM's for. Just to, to to do the PM. Let's put one hour in there. Okay. Now it uh it has uh, three people assigned to it. Three? Why three? I mean, two people can do that easily. Okay, that's stupid. And then what we do this pm every week why every week well that's because we had a quality issue 10 years ago and the plant manager said i want some mechanic looking at that every week and we've been doing that for 10 years okay let's change it back to monthly okay so that's pm optimization phase one quickly look at the embarrassing things that just make no sense at all that you're doing i'm telling you you'll make a big bite out of your pms by doing this I've seen 20, 30% of the hours gone, 20 or 30% gone with PM, uh, Kaizen, uh, we call them Kaizens, but PM optimization one. Okay, now everybody's a little reluctant to do one, but once you get going, you get a little confidence. So you, you go PM Kaizen optimization two, let's spend five minutes on each one. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's read the, is there some, uh, parts and pieces or equipment that's missing, steps out of order. Let, let's spend a little more time on that. Another 20, 30% comes out. I've gone through phase one and phase two and have eliminated 50% of the PM hours. This is how you start. Okay. Then you go, you know, you go into phase three, you may sit down you, in, on your critical assets you may sit down for a day on each one of those. So it's a critical pump, a critical gearbox. You may want to do that because this is, we don't have a spare uh, or this is a bottleneck for the production center. Spend a little more time on that. But the meat is in this PM Kaizen 1 and 2, going after it real fast. That's where you get the momentum. And imagine you have 10 people 
working on PMs now. And then I can, you can um, uh, get that, those same number of PMs done with five people now. You got five people to do something with. What do you want to do? Do you want to do more planned work? Do you want to add condition monitoring? Do you want to create a lube expert? Do you want to do problem solving? Whatever you want to do with those five people. But again, it's start very small. Let's eliminate, let's, let's just take out PMs that make no sense at all. You know, sometimes, okay, this happens a lot of plants, they'll have a, a lubrication route where they're doing oil sampling. This happened at my plant. So I could, we were doing oil sampling every month and we also had another PM to change the oil every month. That makes no sense at all. You know, and I promise they're in your plant too. <laughs> so uh, that's that's where I was, would start. Um, that's where I'd start with, a, you know, really, really small. Can you dedicate one minute to every PM in your plant? How long is that going to take you to do? I assembled a team of people. We went off-site. We had maybe eight people in a room. We had different tables, two people to a table. Everybody had, you know, some people had mechanical PMs, some had electrical PMs, and we were just going through really fast in a day. Went through PM Kaizen Optimization 1. And yeah, if 20% reduction in hours in a day, that's a pretty good return on investment. Yeah, that's great advice. I think any big project like that can be overwhelming in terms of where do I start? And if you sort of break it down into stages and then in those early stages, if you're getting that immediate feedback and seeing progress, it's going to kind of fuel the the rest of the journey. Right. And a lot of engineers, I've had trouble with engineers and management people saying, if you're going to do something, you might as well do an excellent job on it. Well, PM optimization one is not doing an excellent job. It's just cutting off the, you know, the fat. Okay. So a lot of people had a problem with that. So I expect to have some pushback, but say, Hey, let's just do this. Let's see what the results are. And you'll be shocked. And your own Joe's here to support you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Joe. As always, that was wonderful. We, that was a really great detailed advice for people on how to get started. And as always, we really appreciate you sharing your experiences with us. All right. I enjoyed being here, uh, Anna, and I look forward to next time. You bet. Um, thanks to everyone out there for listening to Great Question, a manufacturing podcast. This is a special series with Joe Kuhn called Ask a Plant Manager. And I'm Anna Townsend with Plant Services. We'll see you next question.